Um, hello and welcome to the Three T Rolling Pieces of Glass podcast. This is your world class marble-based podcast. We talk about marble races, new marbles that are coming out. Oh, and yes. of course, it's been a big weekend because it was the uh, World Series this weekend. Nick, did you catch the uh, the race between um, Toothpaste John and um, Quick Flick Quinton? I did. Man, what a performance. I've never seen anything like it. I've been a uh, hardcore follower of marbles, as you all know, and I've, I've spoke about it many times in this podcast. And man, what a weekend. What I don't get, though, is, you know, Quinton, he's got the quick flick, right? So he's good at getting out the gate. Why is he still using frosted marbles? I thought it was kind of... The the, the done thing was that, that nowadays you use smooth ones. They have better aerodynamics, but he's still he's still stuck with them. And it's, it's really cost him in the last race, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I've got to agree. I mean, you know, I know he's very much old school and likes to, uh, you know, as he says, uh, keep it real, but... I just think it's t- you know the marble game game has changed so much in the past fifteen years, James. Wouldn't you agree? And technology's mm. come so far, uh, as, yeah, advanced completely. so much. Did you see you know, the? Uh, did you see the cat size McQuimby? Did you see his cat size McQuimby? He's he's been on top form for a while now, and I must admit it is the the way he rolls it. He's got that you know you can just that little that little twist he does. Yeah, oh, he rolls it out the gate. Yeah, that's it. He uh, brings the yeah. entertainment. You know, he brings that spark that the the the, the hobby's needed for so long. It's yeah. it's a really exciting oh, no. time to be alive in the marble game right now. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> okay, I think we've worn this joke out enough. Let's get on with the podcast. Okay. I think we could have done that for a long time. <laughs> I could have done. Imagine we minutes. did. Ima- we should do like a whole actual podcast dedicated to a fake marble marble racing. Just just release it as a bonus. But I'm excited now because it's like, wow, what if the marble world was that electric right now? <laughs> yeah, same here. We're going to have to do some research. Yeah, yeah watch this definitely. space. Okay. <laughs> we'll switch into a different genre. This is what will happen. If people stop supporting us on Patreon, we're going to go mainstream. We're yeah. going to go into marble racing. You know it. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Hmm. Greetings, friend. You have in your ears the long-awaited 77th episode of the 3T RPG podcast. This episode, along with a properly certified group of hosts, is your gateway to the exciting world of role-playing games. To my left, I have everybody's favourite hipster. It's Nick Lamley. Mm. <laughs> Taking a drink there. And to my right, it's our token Asian. It's James the Clark. Mmm. <laughs> This RPG podcast is an audio experience with an edge, right? It's the show of choice for those who know the difference between epic and ordinary, like Ace B, Julian Burnick, Ryan Wayhab, and Jason Duncan, who all pledge at the Dreadlord level over at Patreon. But whoever you may be, we have tiers for all sizes. Go to patreon.com forward slash 3T RPG podcast and join the army too. <laughs> Why did Running you out run of out of breath so quickly? Because the intro is much longer than it usually is, because I did something special. special I wonder one. if any listeners will recognise those words. Mm. But um, yeah, we've got, a, we've got a huge show for you today, jam-packed, full of everything role-playing games. It's usually massive. we're talking about marbles, but not this time. No, not today. Um, we've decided to switch we, it up. 
Um, all right, so yeah, we've got the feedback, we've got news punch, we've got what you've been saying, and the main subject this time is going to be the complete history of Hackmaster, yes. and then we're going to have some of your correspondence in the Electro Letters segment, but let's do some feedbacks. Ooh. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch, the feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah, feedback, bitch. Terry Hansen uh, comes in with the only feedback this time and he says I'm offended by your assumption that puppets are for children what about meet the feebles and team America um, this is of course in reference to Stuff of Legends the new D&D actual play puppet podcast mm, yeah. which we discussed last time um, and but the yeah. thing is, I will say this: if you watch it and the presenting style, it is for kids. I'm not saying that puppets are always for children, although they pretty much are. Because as funny as Team America was, it's not really mature, mature comedy, is it? It's it is it is for younglings. No, I mean it's yeah, it's designed to just be idiotic and stupid mm. on purpose. Mm. Mm, yeah, well, I don't know what Meet the Feebles is. No, neither do I. But it sounds great. Um. Sorry, I don't know why I'm being so stupid this time. But yes, I do think that mostly puppets are for children. And you know, funny enough, I had an argument with my wife the other day because she said, oh, is this the D&D show about Muppets? And I said, no, it's oh. about puppets. Muppets are the puppets featured in the Muppets. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> yeah. It, 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 a puppet outside of the Muppets is it's, just, it's a, just puppet. a puppet. <laughs> and so we actually looked it up. And it's actually a style of puppet is a Muppet. And and funny enough, the creator of the Muppets tried to sue the two guys that made that uh, Team America and that musical, what is it, Mormon something, Book of Mormon? Book of Mormon, that's it, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, the one with the puppets, because he said they were Muppet designs. They weren't original style puppets. So, yeah. But these words are losing all meaning now. I've said them too many times. So let's (laughs) move on to news. (laughs) News. Much. This is the news. So RPG discovered that predates D and D. What? So, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, actual fact: the, the, uh, the there is a game, or so we've been led to believe. Mm. We'll be investigating this soon. That predates D and D, and it's called Western Gunfight, and it is from Bristol in our merry land of Ingerland. Yes. And, um, we're going to be investigating the whole thing, trying to see if it is in fact true, if it does predate D&D, and if it is an RPG. But that's going to be next episode. Oh, yeah. We're leaving you hanging. We're going to leave you hanging, and that's the quickest news segment we've ever done. Because next. it's so yep. damn exciting. Exactly. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, we just we've need got to... the scientists working on it in the background at the moment. They're in just a lab. Just pulling the numbers. Just pulling the numbers in the lab. We've printed off Western Gunfight, and they're trying to carbon date it, see when it when it came. But <laughs> yeah. the trouble is, obviously, it's new paper that I've just printed it on. So we got, we got some official verifiers working around the clock on this one. We have, and they're not being paid. Yet, not yet. So go over to Patreon and <laughs> yeah, pay them. Yeah, exactly. Those scientists need your money. Um, all right, let's uh, talk about what we've been playing, shall we? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and one of these. Oi, yeah? What you slaying? 
we've got the feedback and the news out of the way very quickly um and i think we're this is like record time because usually the part before the main subject is at least like two hours so um <laughs> yeah we've been uh, we've been slaying this week we've been playing more tough guys the british gangster setting for savage worlds um right yes at the moment where we're at with the whole thing is that um the players sort of they they run this area in london called wolford and it's a fictional borough in east london um m- notably the setting of eastenders and uh yeah, the guys are, yeah. are are these these criminals, and at the moment they don't really have sort of a regular thing. Like they don't necessarily sell drugs or or uh, or whatever, or prostitutes, or I don't know anything. But essentially, what happened was in the last couple of games is that um, another area boss came to Nick for help, who his character is also an area boss, because he'd had some fake Gucci stolen from him while he was doing a deal. It turns out it was these posh guys <laughs> from a stately home who were trying to figure out a way to. Uh, Keep, keep to keep the upkeep on their old house and try and get repairs and things like this because they're like really posh but they're completely broke. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so so the guys you know tracked them down, went to the home, killed everyone, the children, the dad, oh, everyone. They sent them. Yeah, but not not. Uh, there's more to it than that. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Nick was only trying to disable one of the kids was on top of a water cooler, the water tower thing. On top of water cooler, that would be really unimpressive. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, he was on top of this water tower and Nick threw a dart at his hand, right? And it was like a, a fucking great shot um, because he's a darts player, ex-darts player. <laughs> it was a fucking great shot. It was already like, because he had a distance penalty of like minus two, right? And then he, the guy was up really high and behind cover. So total minus eight um, to also hit specifically in the hand. And then Nick, you know, in Savage Worlds, the dice explode. They ace, so every time you get the highest number, you re-roll oh, it yeah. and add it together. So you got hit with a raise, and then kept getting more raises and more aces on the uh, on the damage roll, therefore killing the guy immediately. Yep. So it wasn't like they went in with the intention to kill them, but Nick killed one by accident. Another guy was using one as a meat <laughs> shield, and the dad tried to shoot the character, but accidentally shot the son. And the third one, unfortunately, got in the way of... There's this traveller bloke that they, in their party called Dennis Digger. And the unfortunate thing is he's got the he's got the vengeful and bloodthirsty hindrances. So it means that he'll stop at nothing to get revenge on somebody who wrongs him. And also won't oh, stop God. until they're stone cold dead. Which is becoming a problem because yes. they kind of... The, what they did is the, the, at the end of the fight, one of them was still was still left. Right, it was this little girl, and uh, she she was like, "You've killed my daddy," and um, she was like, "What am I going to do now?" And they say he points a gun at her, and then she's like, and then he asks her like, w- w- "So where's where's all the fake Gucci?" She tells him, and then just as she's walking off to go go away, he just shoots her in the back of the head, and it was like, just sent her skidding up yeah. the lawn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was quite. It was really brutal. It was just like at that point, you know, we thought, oh, at least we'll let someone live, and he just, yeah, bam. I think, I think if his character, well, because let's be honest, this happens in a game where you're playing all criminals. It's always like varying degrees of to which people go. Like certain people, you will see in like gangster films, right? Some people will be like, no, we don't ever do anything with drugs. Or no, no, we just we just deal with the with the stolen goods. You know what I mean? It's always like they've got some sort of morals, but this Dennis Digger doesn't seem to, and I think that it's no. clashing a little bit with the party. But 
there is a rule, as I said to James the other day, in Wise Guys, the uh, expansion we're using, is kind of like, if you betray somebody, they're not allowed to spend bennies, which are reroll tokens, on uh, uh, like attempts to resist the betrayal. So, for example, if you wanted to do the thing of In Bruges, that film, and send him off for a holiday before he's to be killed... <laughs> Such a good he, film. If, yeah, it is a great film. If he if he rolled smarts to know that you were sending him off to be killed and failed, he wouldn't be able to spend a penny on it because it's a betrayal. Mm. See what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah. Nick, as the boss, at some point, I think you're going to have a hard decision to make because this guy's become a liability. Not only did he kill that girl, then you had to you know spend extra time cleaning up the crime scene the next day. Yeah. He also... But he slammed his brakes on in the motorway. Yeah, yeah he slammed his brakes on in a motorway to settle an argument. Um, and then he crit failed during a chase on the motorway, which is like, it's not really his fault, but no. it did nearly kill everyone. No. Yeah. It's, no. I feel like the um, preceding, the preceding actions maybe contributed towards <laughs> it, <laughs> because he was already a bit hostile at that point. Yeah, I, I mean, because I know he doesn't listen to this, so we're all right, but I just think, I, I don't know, man, if you... If you guys end up wanting to kill him, that is okay in the setting. I'm just putting it in. <laughs> have to send him to Coventry. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's because it's, we don't have, you know, we don't have money to send him to Bruges, so it have to be <laughs> no. Coventry. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, we'd, we'd send him somewhere, but it wouldn't be nice. God, but nevertheless, Man, anyway, it's crazy. Um, they, yeah, they got the fake Gucci back, but were attacked by a rival gang um, on the way back on the motorway. Um, it was this guy who's one of the area bosses for a gang called uh, the Forest Gate Gang. It's an MC guy called Grim Slingshot. And him and a bunch of goons attacked them on the motorway. We did a chase, and of course, as I mentioned, Dennis Digger fucked up on his first turn with a crit fail, flipped the car, got the worst result on the out-of-control table, and... Uh, yeah, did 5d6 damage to everyone inside as the car got wrecked and uh, everyone nearly died. They were crawling on the motorway, picking glass out of their face. Nick had to use one of his contacts to call up a, a vet that used to be a mob doctor and get him to sort of sort everyone out. Yeah. It was uh, it, it was a bit nuts. And yeah, finally, uh, as they woke up, they saw the Forest Gate gang driving off with the stolen Gucci as well. And uh, yeah, they well, we decided to end it on a quick heist, which is... Yeah. Uh, sort of cinematic heist thing you can do in uh, Wise Guys. And, yeah, we ended it with that, with them trying to snatch it back, because they heard that uh, Grim Slingshot was headed towards, um, was going to Cyprus on holiday with all the stolen goods, obviously, to sell it on the beach. So it was pretty funny, because it, Nick got some mariachi outfits, and then, uh, <laughs> yeah, then they, they all went down the, down the uh, of fucking course. airport. And uh, and nicked it off, and they pretended that he had a bomb. Like they called the airport first, and were like, "Oh, there's a guy coming through. Looks exactly like this, and he's got a bomb." Yeah. <laughs> so as soon as he was tackled by police, they just stole the bag back. And uh, yeah, smart. It was smart, actually. Not too bad. But, um, yeah. I was just, you know, I, I I think the campaign's going really well at the moment. But what what strikes me as as being extremely funny is the. Because when the guys found out that Gucci was stolen, instead of getting right on the case, Nick, your character did, but everyone else just went off to do their own personal things. We had Mo Exotic, one of the uh, hardest characters in the game, went to go and see a musical with his mum. <laughs> James, your character, went to go and chat up Tiffany, this girl he's been trying it on with. <laughs> yeah, It was just like, it's so funny. And I, I was talking to one of our players last night about it, and he said he thinks it's because because none of us are able to do these things in real life at the moment everyone's like that's the bit they're really enjoying about the game and it's, <laughs> it's just, just so going funny. around doing stuff <laughs> yeah 
And like Nick, you were sort of going around, you know, kicking heads in, trying to get info. Oh, you went to see the boss as well to tell him that you'd failed and things like this. Yep, that was it. Yep. I also feel like it's um, us kind of uh, expanding on our characters because of their backgrounds and everything. Because like with Ryan's one, obviously he went and saw a musical because that's like his redeeming uh, characteristic. He takes exactly. his mum out to see plays. It was a nice glimpse yeah. for us guys to see the other side of Mo Exotic. Well, but he was only well-behaved in front of his mum. This guy's yeah. a fo- uh, football hooligan, by the way, listeners. And he was only well-behaved in front of his mum. And then when it's, when it came time for the break and he saw there was a queue for the lose, but only one disabled guy outside the disabled toilet, he first of all tried to pretend to be his carer and just start <laughs> pushing him into the lose. And then, obviously, the mum uh, was just like, excuse me, will you let go of my son? And he's just oh, I just thought, um, well, uh, nothing. Uh, can, <laughs> yeah. I go, can I please go ahead of you and just sort of like it was so bad it's like it, it's just it's funny because the redeeming characteristics they, they sort of they, they sort of on for a minute and as soon as they leave you know it'll be like alright see you later Nan alright let's get some drugs it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly it's like it is very uh, very like surface level isn't it at points it's like as soon as they can switch it off it's immediate <laughs> yeah yeah totally totally but yeah that's basically where we're at and um, we've got a lot of leads to follow up because as i mentioned there's a thing called contacts in wise guys and what it is is per session uh, one person can spend a benny from the whole team one person can spend a benny to get the uses of of a contact and you get to make it up on the spot so it could be well the, it, that's a good example actually the last one is that the guys were had were wounded as fuck and miles from anywhere and Nick said, oh, I knew a guy that used to be a mob doctor and now he's a vet. We can call on him for a favour. Spends his Benny. Well, he doesn't need to spend a Benny, actually, because he's got an edge that grinds mm. up as an, an extra contact. But the way it works is, yeah, you get that one-time favour from them, but then you owe them a favour and can't call on their services until you've done them a favour. That's it, yeah. Um, which is a really, really fun fucking way of doing it, because, like... For example, the guys could have really done with the services of a cleaner when they shot up that mansion and got the Gucci back. But um, unfortunately, they hadn't done a favour for the cleaning company they last used. And no. as a result, they can't call in their services, so they had to clean up themselves. We had to ourselves, yeah. That was the problem. So, so we've got another one. We've got like an awesome cab driver who got us like to our destination in like record time. But now we need to uh, do a little favour for him before we can get him to help us out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's the cleaning company and the vet. Yeah. So those are the things you might follow up on next game. But basically, yeah, I'm going completely free form with this game and just allowing mm-hmm. the guys to do what they want. And I think next game we're going to try to uh, set up a supply line of something. Something, yeah. Because yep. you've got a fish and chip shop now and you're going to sell stuff through it. So hopefully, like maybe just some regular deliveries of fake stuff from overseas yeah. or something just like a bit that. Of income. That's it. Just a Chinese yeah, We'll see what we can do. Yeah. Maybe we'll try and get some uh, some drugs on the go as well. Really? <laughs> yeah, that that would be good. That would that would be handy. Um yeah, and it, it's it's been bloody fun. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Oh man. It's, yeah. It is yeah. <laughs> Say no more. It's, it's chicken just so, it's so good. Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> It is mental, but it is is fucking good. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've had my brother come back as a recurring character, um, sort of, because he's unable to to come regularly. So he's mm. an accountant for the for the for the mob. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's been pretty fun. I think it's pretty good for people to if you want to jump in and jump out, because he's kind of off doing his own thing, and then every so often he'll come back. And uh, yeah, if you haven't checked it out, go and go and buy Tough Guys on Drive Through RPG. Oh, absolutely. Um, because it's it's worth a read and it's written really really well I must say. 
fucking hell. You reckon? You reckon? Like, I've heard that. I've heard it's written really, really well. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. <laughs> um, all right, let's get on to the main subject, shall we? Yes. Oh, Can't yes, wait. Please. I'm looking forward to it. Main subject: magic. Main subject: Tokyo. Main subject: Bing Bong. Hello. Sorry. Um, <laughs> hello. 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 <laughs> no, not again. <laughs> All right. Today we are talking about D and D's mutant cousin, the parody version of the world's first popular role-playing game, Hackmaster. Trademark. From its strange beginnings in a poorly illustrated, in a poorly illustrated. James. Sorry, James. I didn't mean to offend. <laughs> <laughs> in, in a poorly illustrated comic to the more serious version of the game we have today we are going to be taking a broad sweep through the whole history of the series taking a dive into each version and seeing whether or not these violence focused comedy centric games are actually worth playing or are they just simply worthy of a chuckle before being left to rot on yourself um on your shelf <laughs> or on but, yourself um, however, however you carry your books sorry I suppose. guys I'm fucking tired this morning um, yeah before we begin I want to thank CJ Stott for sending in the latest edition of Hackmaster oh my god yeah three books which is really really kind of thank him you so much her. mate it's mental kind yeah. it really is um, it doesn't mean that we're going to give it a positive review but I would like to say this right now I do positively review CJ Stott Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. What a great guy. Get all girl. Yeah, ten out all girl. We don't ten, know. Nine out of ten man, ten out of ten woman. <laughs> yes. Are we saying that? Yeah. Officially. Sure. Yeah. It's official. And that's your Sunday morning dose of sexism. <laughs> so to talk about the history of Hackmaster, we first need to start in a magazine called Shadis or Shadis. This was a magazine first published in 1990 with a focus on role-playing games, and it was published by Alderac Entertainment Group, a publishing company which was founded by a guy called Jolly Blackburn and a few other contributors. And Jolly Blackburn is a great name, but I follow him on Facebook, and he's not that jolly, which is a shame. Oh, (laughs) that's a shame. That is. I was going to say, I hope he is. I would honestly say he's quite the opposite. He should be angry Blackburn. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of political stuff. I had to stop following him because it was making me less jolly by the minute. Um, But still, it's not about about you, all right, jolly, angry. Um, Angry Blackburn. But yeah, the story of Hackmaster really begins in the second issue of the Shadis magazine. So in this issue, we first see the birth of the Knights of the Dinner Table, a uh, comic created by, as Blackburn put it, to fill space because you see it was like him and two other guys working on this magazine and at one point this sort of discussion started where they were just like we should really put a comic strip in here and then Jolly Blackburn got lumped with fucking with with actually doing it and and he couldn't draw so Night of the Dinner Table (laughs) was really crudely illustrated I mean you guys have seen it right yes It's, yeah. It doesn't look nice, but yeah, it's a strip-style comic book about Jolly Blackburn's experiences in role-playing involving jokes about power gaming, meta-gaming, player versus GM arguments, and it was often fueled by stories readers had sent in as well. And uh, yeah, of course, it centres around a group of gamers who call themselves the Knights of the Dinner Table. <laughs> um, 
And many famous memes came out of the pages of this comic, such as the one where B.A., who's the GM, tells the players they see a gazebo, and the players, not knowing what that is, immediately draw their swords and start asking what it's doing and preparing a strategy to kill the gazebo. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because there's also, like, one of them's like, what colour is it? And he's like, uh, I don't know, red. And then they're like, oh, shit, a red gazebo. That's got to be powerful. They're the worst ones, yeah. <laughs> um, I have to say, I've, I've read... Uh, a good amount of the comics and uh, despite the in spite of the artwork they are really funny actually and um sort of do quite mirror stuff that happens at the table but if you read if you can't get past the art style and just i will say still read the ones he does about there's like the the knights of the dinner table play a game called cattle punk which is a western fake western game yeah and those are the funniest fucking issues this they're, they're extremely funny and like one of them tries to get revenge on a PC that fucking annoyed him and uh, uh, killed one of the other players. So the player keeps bringing back new characters that are the son of the previous characters oh, so yeah. he can still get revenge on that guy. Like, completely metagaming. <laughs> and uh, it ends with this fucking, with one of the characters shooting uh, an entire barrel of dynamite and turning the ground and uh, the town into a crater. And it's, it's fucking hilarious. Nice. But, um, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, Jolly Blackburn, he had no formal art training, and that, that really shows. So the comic's art is terrible, like really terrible, and was often made up of scanning and reusing the same panels, but changing the dialogue. Um, and, uh, so one which, way to cut costs well, and effort. And, and effort, yeah. So, and uh, talent. And, and talent. He's really cutting <laughs> talent with this one. I like what he's doing. <laughs> But it's funny because, like, often you'll be reading it and he's got... Because the table is so long, the panels stretch from one side of the page to the next and it'll be, like, three panels on one page and it's the same art three times in a row. Yeah. And it's it, it, a bit jarring, but they are funny. They are funny. A lot of them are free on their website anyway, so... Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for, after five years of publishing Knights in the Dinner Table, Knights of the Dinner Table, Jolly and uh, the other members of Alderac and Entertainment began to disagree about the direction of the magazine, resulting in Jolly, um, resulting in Jolly Blackburn leaving the company, where the comic was picked up by a publishing company called Kenzer and Co., founded by a bloke called Dave Kenzer. So now... Good right, old Dave. Good Davey old Dave. Boy. He's, he's a good guy. It's always a Dave, isn't it? Aye. There's always a Dave in every circle of friends, except ours. Thank God. Hmm. But yeah, um, <laughs> Kenzer & Co. now put out the comic as its own thing, not just a way to fill space, and it had its own badly illustrated covers, and also included short articles slash musings by Blackburn regarding the comic, or role-playing games in general. And this is where the gaming populace really began to hear about the comic. And look, I know it's getting boring, right? So why the fuck are we talking about this comic? Well, I'm going to tell you now, listener, and let me tell you, Ooh. it's going to blow your fucking mind. All right, go on. Actually, I don't, know, I don't know if it will, but in the comic, the knights of the dinner table most often play a fantasy role-playing game called Hackmaster 3rd Edition, which is a fictitious game created by Gary Jackson, an obvious mashup of Steve Jackson and Gary Gygax. <laughs> yeah. Now, it wasn't long before Kenzer & Co. started receiving numerous requests to publish an actual playable version of the Hackmaster game they had seen B.A. and his mates play in the comic book. And what's funny about this is that a big part of the humour in the strips often 
came from the dungeon master being unable to follow unbelievably obscure rules buried deep within the text of the rules. Players ex- uh, and also like got humour from players exploiting obscure rules and over complexity within the game. Right, obvious stabs at D and D. These ax- aspects of the fictitious hackmaster were a huge part of the parody element to the fake game and would see their way into the actual publication, <laughs> which was called Hackmaster Fourth Edition. <laughs> Well done. Very um, good. So yeah, that's the f- uh, the first edition of Hackmaster did eventually get published by Jolly and Kenza in 2001, and as I said, it's called fourth edition because the third was the one they played in the comic strip. So yeah, yeah. So it- I had to start from fourth in the real world because technically the first and second had already been made. And you know what is fucking great about that is if you read Hackmaster fourth edition and open the covers it constantly talks about the third edition all the time so it'll be like yeah. it'd be like at, right at the beginning it's like uh, at the intro the what is a role playing game segment mm. it's like look if you've played Hackmaster third edition then you can just skip onto this but if you're a noob <laughs> and it's like it's pretty funny and it'll often like make comments on changes that have happened since the last one it's just yeah. fucking great man it's That's like so good no it's good work <laughs> And another thing I, I wanted to mention as well is that, uh, you know, Gary Gygax passed away. I can't remember when it was, but on the front or in, on the inside cover, where the fuck is it? Oh, yeah, oh, it's on the back of one of the adventures. It says, R.I.P. 1953 to 2001 in memory of, in memory of Gary Jackson. <laughs> so nice. they even de- the, even the fake publisher of the game died in, in real life as well. <laughs> Why not? Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, fucking great, man. But yeah, the origin story doesn't really end there. Another core aspect of Hackmaster was its direct parody of D&D modules. For example, the one I was just looking at, Robin Loft, which is a parody of Ravenloft, Mm. and Little Keep on the Borderlands, which was a parody of Keep on the Borderlands. (laughs) Very clever stuff there. I'm sure you'll agree. (laughs) (laughs) Little Keep on the Borderlands. It's Little Keep on the Borderlands, and they've also... See, what would have been cool is, you know, there's the Annihilate the Giants, which yeah. is... I can't remember what the original one was called, but what if it was Annihilate the Little Giants, so it was just a bunch of men. <laughs> just normal-sized yeah, men. Normal-sized humans. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. It was like in uh, the GURPS game when Ryan uh, made a midget with gigantism. Oh, shit. What, Dr. <laughs> Twist? Dr. Twist, yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, Kenzo, they weren't just brave revolutionaries having a pop at Wizards of the Coast, though. There was an odd set of circumstances which led to them being allowed to create div- derivative works of D&D products. You see, in 1999, Wizards released a uh, CD-ROM called the Dragon Magazine Archive, which was just a CD including all the issues of their Dragon Magazine publication. The problem was, though, Wizards had to regain permission from all the authors of the articles in Dragon Magazine because their work was being published in a different format. So, of course, not everyone gave their permission for their work to be redistributed, and among these people was Jolly Blackburn. So Jolly went through a laborious contract dispute um, over redistribution of the comics that he put in uh, Dragon Magazine, but ultimately Wizards and Blackburn settled out of court where an agreement was reached allowing Jolly to create a derivative parody works of D&D products. But the stipulation was that the products made under this agreement must maintain a higher level of humour if they are directly referencing D&D. So original Hackmaster products weren't subject to this, but it's for this reason that all of the adventure modules are just humorous retellings of D&D adventure modules. Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there, there is a reason behind it, and uh, 
I don't know if you notice, but it's really funny, right? Because what he's done is he's changed Raven to Robin. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about how funny they actually are in a bit. But yeah, this is also evident by looking at the covers for the fourth edition books, which are mostly just cartoonishly violent versions of their advanced D&D counterparts. So where the original AD&D handbook showed the PCs at the end of a dungeon picking up gems attached to a demonic statue and cleaning their weapons ne- next to a dead boss monster Mm. the hackmaster player's handbook features the exact same room but mid-fight as the pcs destroy monsters and send gouts of blood spilling through the air um and i really really like the artwork for this game like a lot yeah Yeah. um i sent you some of the inside ones as well but the yeah the covers of like they're so nice and and i just love this like the silly cartoonish violence to it like it's so well done though isn't it yeah Mm. like it's to the quality of a DD cover but it's just got so yeah, much more true. character. Yeah, totally. I mean, looking at the uh, the Robinloft one, well, the Ravenloft one is just, you know, Strahd von Zarevich standing on the balcony looking a bit broody. On the Hackmaster one, he's got a woman by the throat who he's dangling over the edge. To a gargoyle is cutting a bloke's grappling hook as he falls downwards. <laughs> yeah. And another gargoyle is, uh, appears to be punching a fairy. <laughs> yeah. That's what you need. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you need. Um, yeah, and uh, it's it's they're fucking great. It's the artwork is just it's got so much character and it went for its own style, which I just I don't know. I think it's great. But it's um, really good. but let's talk about the actual game itself. I don't intend to go into huge deep detail here because otherwise the episode will go on for ten years. <laughs> So instead, I'm going to talk in broad strokes and kind of give an overview of the books, if that's okay with you guys. Absolutely. Because if you say no, I'm starting at page one, and we're not we're not done until we get to the end. <laughs> strap in, no, strap in. Love. No, no, let's start from page one. What is a role playing game? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. Okay, yes. No. 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 Now, as I mentioned, yes. um, uh, Hackmaster Fourth Edition came out in 2001. A year earlier, D and D's Third Edition was released, and it was clear that Wizards of the Coast were rapidly moving towards a more streamlined experience, stripping out a lot of the minutiae and complexity from AD and D First Edition and Second Edition. Hackmaster, on the other hand, decided to double down, parodying the older versions of D and D, which were a complete mess of badly organized rules, subsystems, and sub subsystems, and essentially. This game, Hackmaster, was just first edition D&D, but added in a point-by-character creation method, merits and flaws for characters, an honour and fame system, and so many charts, it would give a GM a migraine. Oh, the charts are mint. (laughs) They are insane. I mean, I'm not joking when I say this game is table-heavy. It's not like DCC, where every spell has a table, so it's sort of organised in a way. (laughs) Everything. Everything has a bloody table. And the critical hit charts take up 15 pages. (laughs) Yeah, that gave me anxiety. Yeah, just looking at it. I can't even understand the format in which it's written i mean it's it's really fucking weird and i'll go actually take a look at the table in a little while but yeah 15 pages and they were made into their own booklet that you could have at the table as a separate play aid and uh, that was like 170 pages because they, they expanded it which is <laughs> oh, of course they expanded it <laughs> there's a point where there's a point where it's like we get the joke D D original D had a lot of tables in it and and you've made a D10,000 table for spell misfire. 
Um, there's also sections that summarise the racial abilities for all the playable races, and they're gigantic. A pixie in this game has more abilities than a 5e character at 15th level. <laughs> um, That's brilliant. So, That's brilliant. for example, they can fly at 18 squares per round, use moths and butterflies as mounts, heal an extra hit point per day, never be surprised, reincarnate after death, may cast fairy phantom spells once a day, link telepathically, get a plus two bonus to mounted fighting, get half the hit points of other races at each level, must pay three times the normal amount for food, and so on. <laughs> well done. Oh, thanks, man. But you see what I mean? Like, it's, it, You don't need 10,000 results for spell misfire. If you're yeah. 50, you're never likely going to see them all. Um, <laughs> and that's too much detail for a fairy. I'm sorry. But yeah. uh, there's there's a... I know it's a parody. I know it's a parody. But then bear in mind, to play the game, you do have to... It is too complicated. It's you, do need, you, do a need a, you do need a game under there. Otherwise, <laughs> that's right. it's that, pointless. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, I mean, that's the problem we had with Pathfinder, wasn't it? Because it was a bit like... It was a bit like, well, yeah, you could house rule it, but at the point to where I'd house, I would house rule it to the point where it was playable, or at least more enjoyable, you'd be chucking most of it out of the window. So if I said to you, okay, pixies can just you just pick two of of the uh, of the abilities, then that's the solution. But then players that have really done their research are going to feel like they've been. Uh, been shafted yeah, you know what I mean time, yeah. <clears throat> all of the tables required to play the game are handily at the back of the book and mostly in the GM's guide as well but um, the, just the ones in the player's handbook take up 30 pages <laughs> yeah essential and it's funny that, that you know we say essential because the book um, actually says as a hard and fast rules as written rule you're not allowed to not use any of the rules I think Ooh. that's a joke but it is quite funny yeah I don't know if that is like if Jolly Blackburn means it or if it's a joke so I don't know but still hmm. um, but yeah so 30, 30 pages of tables just in the player's hand guide think about that for a second and consider that this is part of a book where the tables are scaled down to a convenient size as well so there's <laughs> It's, it's pretty fucking nuts. Now, the yeah. game is essentially built on the... How convenient. <laughs> 30 pages of convenience. Of convenient tables. Because the trouble is, right, with the 30 pages of convenient tables, is there, there, it's not like... Amongst 30 pages, it would still be difficult to locate the one you were trying to find. Because oh it's God. 30 pages. Yeah. That's true. You know, if you had if you had four pages, it's easy. You'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, even then you might need to start thinking about bookmarks and post-its. Yeah, yeah, and just have a little tab flicking out everywhere. It'd be a mess of bookmarks and post-its. Can you imagine me GMing this when I get my, like, can't find a note blindness and uh, trying oh, to mate, rifle the through amount of noise. It would be like... <laughs> you yeah. label up your books something chronic as well with yeah. the little post-it notes yeah. as well, and I could just imagine it being, like, three times the thickness oh, with this one. Oh, my goodness me, yeah. Yeah, you just look like... um look like you've been studying um, the same book for yeah, 10 years. I still yeah. wouldn't find <laughs> yeah. it. That's what you need to do to be able to play this game. Well, um, yeah. Get them tattooed on your body. <laughs> well, like Prison Break. <laughs> yeah. it'd, be like, it'd be like Prison Break, but really boring. He's just looking up tables <laughs> on his back. With a like, mirror. Um, oh, don't. Hey. Just takes his top off. <laughs> I just imagine you get the tea bag just holding a little knife to Michael Schofield, and he's just, he's just like, you're going to need to find that rule pretty... <laughs> <laughs> I've got it here. Just wait. So, if you wanted current <laughs> jokes, you're listening to the wrong fucking podcast. 
<laughs> that was a good impression of Michael Schofield, actually, Nick. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Now, the game, basically, as you've mentioned, is built on the advanced D&D rules. And I think I have a theory. I'm not sure if this is true. Maybe somebody can confirm it. I'm fairly certain the reason they called it Hackmaster in the original comic was because uh, AD&D was so fucking complicated that everyone hacked the game to make it playable. And I'm fairly certain that's what it means. So the game is built on those old rules, but it compiles many rules from other splat books into one and adds its own rules and house rules that were commonly used at the time. For example, I think crits only came in on AD. AD&D 2E but uh, so they they did exist but mm. like crit tables and things like this so there's not actually much to note about the gameplay and some people even revert to it as D&D 1.5 where the stupidity and complexity is treated with irreverence and is written mainly to be funny with loads of in jokes in there as well yeah take for example the races in the game instead of just elves right you have dark elves grunge elves and high elves <laughs> Now, the, the grungels <laughs> nice. are like punk drow, right? So they're an obvious stab at the cliche player character of the broody, dark elf with a troubled past. So, yep. yeah. Um, the game also includes the gnome titan. So it's kind of funny <laughs> that we spoke about, you know, big things being little and, and the opposite. Because the gnome titans are muscular gnomes bred for war. <laughs> <laughs> that is fun. That is that brilliant. Is and of course, you can be a half-orc. Nothing is new there. But uh, how about a half-ogre? I mean, think about the origins of that for a second. <laughs> That's not right. It's like not right there. <laughs> an orc, I can understand. But an ogre, that would, that would kill you. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, it's not a game. Come All on. Right? Let's... That one Come eye. On. Yeah. <laughs> You're thinking of a... Oh my god! I can't. Uh, so, uh, Cyclops. Cyclops. <laughs> yeah, so, so I am. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. You think your D and D cred just went out the window, man? I know. I know. Yeah, <laughs> what man. Those fucking ogres with their it's the, pointy it's the, ears it's the and mumble, wings. It's the, it's the bloody marbles, mate. I've got to be honest with you guys. I'm not even really concentrating. I'm just browsing on Marblepedia. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the classes in in the game are basically the same as the D and D classes, with a few notable ones. The Cavalier, for example, which was a variant on the fighter found in the A D and D supplement, the Complete Warrior. Um, these guys specialize in mounted combat, but there's also the Dark Knight, which is basically like an anti-paladin. So instead of going to the church to pray at every new town, you instead go to the graveyard and start licking the tombstones. Good. <laughs> No, no, that in is a, cool, isn't it? In a Batman outfit. So far, um, we haven't actually mentioned any of the actual rules, which are mostly, as I mentioned, an iteration on D&D. But uh, let's talk about the new rules the game brings to the table. Now, firstly, characters start with a 20 HP bonus, 10 for tiny characters like pixies or gnomes. Um, and this is to make characters more survivable. But the reason that this is is because dice can ace or explode, meaning that if you roll the highest amount on any die, you re-roll it and add it on with a cumulative minus one for each roll. So the 20 HP bonus mm. won't necessarily save you because people are killed quickly and really easily in this game. Um, yeah, and as I mentioned, crits are super fucking detailed and over the top with a 15-page chart. I also mentioned honor earlier, and basically the more honor you accrue, the more powerful you can become because you can burn honor to add extra dice in a fight but you you can also burn 90 percent of all the honor you currently have to avoid death as well it's like 
suddenly because you lost this fight you survive but people have lost all respect for you which i just <laughs> oh, think nice. is really cool yeah that's oh. really cool yeah I like that that's quite good that. and this has negative side effects because your honor determines who uh, how well you can use your social abilities how characters react to you and how much xp you get so dishonorable characters you've got to kind of think about that trade-off of like do i'm gonna die or i really need to kill this guy or i'm gonna die but i'll use up some of my honor because you're fighting dirty and people will see it and yeah. rumor gets around yeah that's um, really cool i think it's really fucking yeah, cool actually I like that um and in case you hadn't guessed this already you track everything in this game not only do you have encumbrance but also maximum storage limits for different types of bag weapons degrade over time and become gradually useless Ooh. armor breaks too hunger thirst bowel movements it is all tracked Wow, which is it's too, it's too much, my. I mean, much. considering consider this, right? <laughs> the, the thing about it is, is that in in D and D, it's always been the rule, really, that people don't play with encumbrance because it's annoying and boring, and very few games do it right. And so, what Jolly Blackburn decided to do was make it even more boring, and just be <laughs> like, "Well, n- now it's even more boring." So that'll be fun, right, guys? <laughs> Oh, totally. Oh, and you know, I, I think I, I'm fairly certain the bit at the beginning of the book that says you can't house rule is a joke. So obviously, you could just take some of the bits you don't like out. But um, I think as a joke, I'm not sure if it's funny uh, that he's made it overly complex. I think it's amusing, uh, maybe, but yeah, mm. yeah. I reckon there's actually people out there who enjoy this complexity and this level and actually play it letter for letter. Well, it's funny that you say that, James, because there's a guy that comes to our game sometimes called Phil. And he talks about Hackmaster all the time. Um, and he's been playing for the last 20 years the same fucking D&D house-ruled game. And it's mostly Hackmaster rules. And I only realised that because I played at his table once. And it was really weird. And um, then uh, it, it, I read these books for this review and I realised that we were actually playing Hackmaster. But he was using it for a serious setting. And it was very, very complicated. <laughs> But that's just AD&D, oh I think. But it, yeah. was, it was like, this guy that had been playing it for 20 fucking years, constantly looking up rules, it's like, that's never a good sign, is it? No. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, well, anyway, yeah. So so everything is tracked in the game. But let's talk about magic quickly, though. Of course, all the classics are in there. All right, guys, you've got your magic missile. You've got Munt Fungler. You've got Hold Person. All of that jazz, right? Um, yes. But some new ones enter the mix, like variations on the fireball spell, such as the Sidewinder fireball which can curve round corners. Ooh, or there's the scatter blast, nice. which sends out loads of fireballs like a shotgun. But you also have Mergain's migraine, where you give a creature a headache. That's brilliant. Or, <laughs> I know, it's great, isn't it? And, or there's awesome. one called perceived malignment, where you make someone believe they're really ill. <laughs> <laughs> or how about a slice of well, emergency... Uh, there's one called emergency teleport at random. So if you're in a pinch and want to survive a brutal battle but don't want to spend your honour and you don't particularly care where you end up, use emergency teleport at random. You just go anywhere in the universe oh my god we know that's Fuck hilarious yeah. because that's what um, bloody Ryan's character Colin did with his deck of many things when he got teleported yeah because one of the cards <laughs> in the deck does that you just teleport a random direction like a thousand miles yeah, yeah. so it's a good one to get out of a pinch but I, I always just imagine it was somebody just yanking out that card or, or popping off a spell in this case and just ending up in the middle of the jungle like surrounded by carnivorous chimps yes yeah. and it's like oh Maybe yeah. I should have just spent the oversized spiders. Well, yeah, that's part of the fun, though. I guess. Um, here are some, yeah, I think it's a great spell. I love yeah. it, and uh, I, I like ones like that that 
you're only going to be forced to use in a pinch. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But my um, favourites by far, though, are Hurl Animal, which is a really <laughs> limited form of telekinesis that only works on animals. <laughs> And um, phantasmal fireball, and it's yep. not—it's not a fireball, but it makes the victim believe they're being hit by one. <laughs> that's so, cool. uh-huh. yeah, that's so, good. So it means that okay, you like you that. smack a guy with it. If you're going for a non-lethal option, you bang out on him, and then suddenly he's rolling on the floor trying to put himself out, but you haven't actually hurt him. And that's it's really a good. really cool idea. Yep. A lot, a lot of them in are in there for for laughs, but actually, I think some a lot of them are really funny and actually have quite a lot of use but wouldn't be in a normal D&D game because they're not serious enough, like a fireball that curves around corners. Or, for example, the dibs spell, where you can override dibs on an item. I'm not oh. sure what, how that's magical, but I do think it's fucking funny. <laughs> that's brilliant. So someone it? goes, that's fine. And then they go, nope, I'm using my magical dibs. And then, and then the, the, all the other players are just like, damn, damn it. he's good at this. He's got that. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the magic items are similar in seriousness too. I'm not going to go through loads of them, but I'll just say the name of one, and I think we'll get the picture. The Gauntlets of Wuss Slapping. <laughs> <laughs> These things, they're, they're so overpowered. They add your strength score and bonus together to damage rolls when slapping. So set character has 18 strength and has a bonus of plus 6. He does tw- plus 24 to damage Jeez. rolls when slapping. Whoa! Oh, backhand. Well, <laughs> that sounds like a really fun one to have. Does it certainly does? Yeah. It certainly fucking does. But let me uh, let me tell you quickly about crits then, because we we mentioned the table earlier. But I just want to sort of have a quick flip through the book and have a look at this, right? So as I'm looking at it, right? So I'm looking at critical hit location and effect colon hacking weapons, and you have a severity level which goes up to twenty four by the looks of it, right? So that's obviously based on a roll. But then you have a D ten thousand roll. And it uses sort of like algebraic formula to tell you what happens. So if I look at the, you cut the top of somebody's head, which is 9,924 to 10,000, and you've got a severity of 21, then it says X4A9D9BS1V1USC. You what? Um, Now, that's what that means, right? So exactly. So I'm looking at this. So X4 is X times the damage, so it's times four damage. A9 is... Uh, it just says AX to hit, so add nine to the hit. Okay. D9, uh, reduce dexterity by nine. You see what yeah. I mean? Yeah. This isn't right, Jolly. What you've done is what an is abomination. <laughs> what the fuck, man? It's so, so annoying. Just well, I've, got, I've got a question to ask. Who hurt you? <laughs> good a maths, point a maths teacher yeah and um i just really wanted to to talk quickly about the uh the bloody um quirks and flaws as well so the way this works is um hackmaster is kind of built on this uh point by system so you can take extra flaws or roll randomly instead of picking quirks and flaws to get extra points towards your build um, so just have a look at this and some of them they're, they're obviously meant to be humorous right so um, there's fl- list minor physical flaws major physical flaws let's look at those so you've got uh, acute allergies you're missing an arm two arms <laughs> you're blind deaf haemophiliac which I don't know what that means something to do with blood I assume yeah. Uh, yeah. maimed mute narcolepsy no depth perception seizure <laughs> sleepwalker 
Trick Knee, which I don't know what the fuck that means. Um, but yeah, then you have, you know, pe- major personality flaws such as Truthful. <laughs> um, Very good. You've got, yeah, and the minor ones are like Chronic, Liar, Clingy, Glutton, Greedy, Gullible, Jerk, Loud Bore, Obnoxious, Self-Absorbed. So it's like, it's not like the usual ones where it's like, oh, my character's heroic or whatever. It's literally just, it's fluff for role-playing, mostly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if yeah. you didn't have if you were missing two arms like your character in Morkborg you'd be uh, up shit creek you'd <laughs> need a pretty good helm wouldn't you yeah good helmet and, and also the, the very good ability of fighting with a sword in your mouth or a gun <laughs> if you can figure that out yeah but yeah it's a pretty it's, it's a nice way of doing things I feel I, I, I like a game that has some, some extra meat to give people role playing it's nothing too crazy but I do I do like it and uh, one of the things I, that we should obviously talk about as well is the monsters right because you look at other games that don't take themselves too seriously i.e. DCC Mutant Crawl Classics and some of the monsters in there are fucking they're, they're pretty humorous like Dimensional Sailor which is like <laughs> a sailor that goes through dimensions on a big boat and just attacks people yep. um, and you know I think a lot of times good adventures good comedy adventures have good comedy monsters you know mm-hmm. and uh, the cover to the Hackmaster it's called the Hacklopedia of Beasts. And what this is, is like they've done several editions of sort of magazine length books of uh, of monsters. And I got this one brand new, actually. Um, Hacklopedia of Beasts, Volume 1. And if I just flip through here and just pick some at random, you'll yep. kind of see the level of humor here. So um, one is Attention Getter. <laughs> There's avenging servant, so that's uh, for if you've if you treat your butler badly. Uh, yep. For some reason, they <laughs> felt they needed to start that. <laughs> giant baboon man, giant badger, mm-hmm. banshee, bandy-tailed fighting cock, giant. <laughs> lot, what? Lot, <laughs> lot of uh, there's one called a blink dog, which is a blink dog. Uh, it's a teleporting dog. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Boar <laughs> man, blood hawk. Blood so Hawk. yeah, these are just the A to Bs basically because I've mm-hmm. got the the first book only. But yeah, they're pr- they're pretty cool. They're not too stupid. They've got a bit of like familiarity to them, but yeah. I do like them. They got and they got um, a bit of silliness as well. Yeah. So why not? Why not? Okay. Why, the hell why not, not eh? guys? Why not? And plus, the why good thing about these is you? because of the system it uses, they're usable in your D and D games as well. So yeah, it's actually well, pretty go. good. And the cover is fucking amazing. It's mm. got a, it's a picture of a land shark emerging from. Uh, from a fucking from underneath the ground, and he's he's bit a guy like clean in half, and loads of people are looking like at everyone it. Everyone loves a land shark. Oh yeah, and this one in particular is great. It's massive and, yeah. and really evil looking. But you get the picture, guys. All right, it's a comedy version of D and D with a very classic silly Monty Python sense of humour, and it's got a focus on violence. But what about the world contained in the book? I hear you ask. <laughs> I've got to stop doing that voice. Well, Hackmaster is set in a world called Garwee's world. I think Garwee's. Well, I don't know, man. And and it's, uh, all the deities on it are called gods as well. Um, so Garwee's world is a continent on a planet called Aldrazar, and is extremely vast, encompassing just about every type of biome you'd expect to see, from jungles to arctic arctic tundras to fields. Um, and the world itself was de- detailed heavily in the Garwee's world atlas, and later the Garwee's world gazetteer. I've got to be honest with you guys, it's pretty fucking generic. Is it? It's really weird. I, I, I sort of read through it and it's like, it's quite it's quite serious considering it's a Hackmaster thing. So it's Ooh. really not worth commenting on. So we're not gonna. Oh, okay. But I'd, like to, I'd like to go through one more thing before we move on, right? To the next editions and the following history of Hackmaster. At the back of the player's handbook, there's a whole chapter dedicated to dice. 
Oh, yes. Yes. So we start with die etiquette, which talks about DRZs or dice rolling zones. And what this is is like <laughs> at the beginning of the game, you've got to designate a dice rolling zone. So the GM knows not to put his stuff there and people don't roll their dice in your DRZ. So yep. it's like, stay out of my oh, DRZ, okay. which is pretty cool. Well, it talks we're about... fortunate because we've all got um, dice trays. So our DRZs are uh, one movable and two mm. very obvious. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're absolutely right. You're right. And... Uh, DIZs are a serious thing, all right? So, you know, no yeah. fucking about. Yeah, right. But it also talks about not handling someone else's dice, which I know is a pet peeve of us as well. Like, yeah. Because um, it's... Yeah, we always ask, oh, can I borrow a dice? Less invited, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you're doing it without asking, that's a... You're, <laughs> you're a big trouble. Imagine Ooh. that. Just grab, go reach across the table, grab and roll. She's like, what the fuck Just grab doing, your man? dice and then, and then well, just roll them. F- yeah. When we had Phil to the f- game for the first time, I remember he, pick- he just picked up Nick's D20 and rolled it. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? You're putting your bad mojo into Come somebody on, else's dice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Don't it, mess it, around with my voodoo shit. Yeah, it also yeah. talks about, um, you know, how everyone should be silent when a player makes a roll and warns against cheaters and fudgers. There's a section mm. on choosing the right dice, having separate ones for damage, having a lucky set is addressed here too. Yep. The bit I like is about <laughs> cleansing the dice of bad luck. So <laughs> using a technique called the fame rub, you can cleanse your dice so they start rolling well. To do this, find a signature of a famous RPG writer and rub your dice along it and the book includes diagrams of how to do this with photographs and includes a signature from gary jackson in the front club cover for fame rub purposes <laughs> love it there's also diagrammed dice rolling methods showing yep. you standard roll how to put backspin on it how to roll with confidence it's really fucking it's good really it's good. a good chapter yep it will it would do do so that's it for first edition, pretty much. Um, that's all the stuff worth talking about, at least, right? And just to summarise, kind of my thoughts on it at the very least. And I don't know if you guys agree, but uh, I think it's. I think that that overall, I I rather like it. I like some of the ideas it brings to the table. I don't necessarily like the system at at all <laughs> much. <laughs> No, it sounds um, obviously overcomplicated, which is what it's meant to be because it's a bit tongue in cheek there. Yeah, um, because it's a I joke. Think, but yeah, I think I think following that to the letter would be hideous. Yeah, but well, like some of the funny bits in it, like say the bits that you don't really need to to utilize or whatever, such as the um, you know the pages about how to roll dice. I think that is great. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. The whole way through, it's a really entertaining read, okay? Uh, there's a lot of humour in there. I don't necessarily... I'm not entirely convinced that it's funny, but it's amusing the whole way through. Like, it's it's enough to make you smile, and I think that can often just be enough. And I, I, I like it for that. And a lot of the ideas it brings to the table are actually uh, kind of fun and funny. Like the monsters, for example. The adventures are really usable. Mm-hmm. The thing is, let's talk about the adventures real quick, because... If if you were to tell me a humorous retelling of Ravenloft, right? I'm not to not to butter our own crumpets here, but our humorous retelling of Ravenloft, I think, did quite a good job. Oh yeah, well, yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. funny. No, 
And the, the, the thing about the Hackmaster brand of humour seems to be just renaming things in a funny way. Because <laughs> in Ravenloft, right, he has these ravens that will attack people. In Robinloft, they're dire robins, right? Is that funny? I'm not sure that it is. Mm. And instead of Strad von Zarevich, he's called Tard Vladnir. And I'm f- so Vladnir, as in he's like Vlad the Impaler, who Dracula was originally based, uh, based on. But Tard? Is that like retard? Is that what it is? And uh, <laughs> instead of or tardy, yeah. instead of um, uh, what, what the fuck was the town called? Uh, Bar- Barovia in yeah. uh, Ravenloft. It's called Morosovia, like it's morose because Mor- it's all miserable. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit cheap. Mm. It, it, it is. It is a little bit cheap to tell you the truth. And uh, it's, it's, it's. I don't know if that's funny though. That's the thing. It's just like you've just renamed everything. I mean, for example, there's. Uh, I can't remember in the original Ravenloft module. There's a guy called the Burgo Master, right? Yeah, the Burgo Master. I think is a military posi- per- German, position. And I'll give yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'll give you ten guesses as to what he's called in Robinloft. Burger Master, correct. No way. Yeah. So he uh, he has a Bloody burger van yeah. and he sells burgers. It's really funny. Can you imagine having a conversation? <laughs> can you imagine having a conversation with like the people that did this though? So it's like you know, do you want to go to McDonald's? And he went, what? don't you mean Arachnonalds? And it's like, oh, what? And it's like, do you want a hamburger? <laughs> yeah, don't you mean exactly. a Cham Nurga? <laughs> do you know? What I mean? <laughs> should we should we go to Burgo King? <laughs> no, like, what? Yeah. Yeah. What, oh, I would like to, what I would like to know is if like. Back, back when this first came out, if someone turned around to the writing team and said, oh, I love the game, I love the rules, I played it rule for rule and it was perfect, do you reckon they'd go, why? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm almost certain there's a, like sort of the joke is against the people who Actually tried to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, to, to give me, uh, this is another thing as well that we've spoken about before, but that GM screen, right? <laughs> it contains all, <laughs> it contains all the handy charts and things needed to play the game, and I'm fairly certain this is a joke product. And the only reason I've still got it is because it costs me so much money. Yeah. Um, but um, so I'm something just fell out of it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking more, at the screen more rules. here right now, right? <laughs> So we've got... The spell uh, just fell out of it. You're cursed. Yeah. It's this curving fireball. I've just seen it whiz down the street. <laughs> so there's the... Obviously, you've got the, the Hackmaster smart-ass smackdown table. Oh, right, yeah. On there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's on there. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy, man. Like, it's it's got... It's not only is it you fold it out in four four panels. Those panels also then flip over to change the front image, but behind them are more panels. So we've got uh, the attack matrices for monsters, fatigue factor, the combat sequence, honor, all the weapons in the game. We've got the saving throws for fighters and thieves and on their own table, and then others on different tables. Then one of the middle panels also folds out into a separate four-panel GM screen. Oh, now, yeah. it's, it's a nightmare. <laughs> Completely unusable. That's the sad thing about it. Is well. that the... Is that the fully paper one? Yeah, it's got like yeah, it's much. got like fold out bits and pockets and oh, it's it's crazy. I I actually I mean, tried to use it for use a game it. once, like not not just to have in front of me, not to actually use the information on it. And uh, yeah, I mean the, take the up trouble too was, much room. That's the problem, yeah, because all of the panels kept on sort of like flapping out all over the table, and I, I didn't have any room. The thing is, you'd the have screen. to put clips on it. And it would just be become so weighty, and if it can't almost support its own weight because it's like yeah, it just falls card, over. Well, I mean, just... when it, when the GM screen needs to be clipped in place to stop annoying you, I think you've got a problem. But again, I think it was <laughs> yeah. a, I think it was meant to be a comedy product. But I just I'm not sure. Yeah, the jokes on me for buying it really. Well. <laughs> um, I, 
I didn't know, yeah. all right, when I bought it. When it came, I was fucking <laughs> flabbergasted. I really just... I feel like if you... Um, I feel like this should... It would be really good and humorous in a setting. Like if you were absolutely minted and you were just like, yep, I've got a house dedicated to RPG stuff. <laughs> yeah. You could have a table set up with Hackmaster and do like that. And then it could be like a... A sort of like museum, you could do tours of it. That would be great. Oh my god! No, yeah. what, I think would, what I think would be better is just do it in the style of a normal GM screen, but just have more panels, so it comes out like really wide, <laughs> really <laughs> wide, <laughs> eight feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, hang on, I just got to check the fighter saving throw table. <laughs> yeah, got so what you do is uh, on the on the GM side is in uh, when you, you get a table that can fit ten on either side, but you sit on one of the ten sides and you have a wheelie chair. <laughs> yeah, it's a wheel along, <laughs> or a uh, one of those like sit down lawn mowers. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. That's the next level of gaming. <laughs> Stair lift that just goes sideways. Just going just over to the cleric screen. saving throw wing of the table. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's first edition, man. It's a bit of a nightmare of rules, but it's a really fucking good read. If you're into RPGs, it's a really, really good laugh because a lot mm. of the in jokes are great. And I will say, check out Knights of the Dinner Table. It's not worth buying, honestly, but just check out the free ones on the website because I think the Cattle Punk arc is on there and it's fucking funny. So. Um, but then, of course, because the set we're going to go into the second edition now, which is called fifth edition, um, which this is going to get confusing. But in two thousand seven, Kenza and Co lost the license to make D and D themed related products. They probably lost it in that fucking GM screen. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. So, no, it's gone too far, mate. That's it. We're pulling it. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, they decided to redo Hackmaster from the ground up, making it into a retro clone ish. It kind of had the spirit of old school D&D, but bolstered with a bunch of new original rules. And uh, yeah, releasing in 2009, um, the fifth edition, second edition of Hackmaster was born from Jolly Blackburn's womb of creativity. And the strange thing about this edition is that it's no longer a parody or intended for a laugh entirely anyway. Mm. Um it does still have a sense of humour and doesn't appear to be taking itself too seriously, but for example, the opening pages of the player's handbook say this. Congratulations, in a world where there is no shortage of mediocre games, you've managed to find one of the true gems. <laughs> and that statement is also written in the original editions, and I think indicates that they haven't lost touch with what made Hackmaster special, um, but simply veered in a different direction as they've moved on with the product line, you know. Um, mm not being a parody anymore uh, or a parody in air quotes they've renamed things yeah um but yeah um some of the things that were intended as jokes though have stayed in the game which is a bit weird so the focus on table heavy number crunching gameplay is still present but that was originally intended as a, da- a stab at D and is now a core part of the game yeah. which is a, a bit odd but we'll get into the system a bit i will say this in its defense um i think i think that the, a lot of the tables are optional and it's mainly just GM tools that can be used as tables. Okay. A little bit uh, like so D&D like, 5e, really. Um, so so you the can actual use game... it if you want to. Yes. If you're stuck for ideas. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And totally, if you want to randomly generate something instead of just narrating at the table, then it's there for you. Mm. And one thing okay. I will say is this, though. As I mentioned, I've followed Johnny Blackburn on Facebook. I'm fairly certain he doesn't know who I am. But... Uh, I've seen screenshots of him running Hackmaster 5e online, right? Mm-hmm. And 
the amount of plugins and different shit he has on his screen at any given time is it, it was it honestly it floored me i looked at his screen that he uses for gming <laughs> and the the actual window for the game was about the size of a postage stamp and it was just <laughs> clogged up with other stuff i just found that i was just like oh mate this looks incredibly complex it's not as bad as you think, actually, but uh, at the beginning of the book, uh, this one, it does also mention that nothing is to be house-ruled out, which is a joke from the original one, but I'm fairly certain that the Game Master stuff and all of the, the tables can be used optionally or as yeah. and when they're needed. Because um, you wouldn't roll on a 10,000 crit table for every crit, I don't think. If you were doing it sensibly, you might do it for the bad guys to yeah, see how yeah. they go down or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so Hackmaster 5e, is it a complex mess or is it actually playable this time? And actually fun, of course, that's important. Yeah. Well, just keep listening because I have the answer and I'm going to tell it to you now, so quit belly aching. All right? Okay, sorry. Sorry. Just piece off. of shit. <laughs> my belly I'm, aches. I'm getting to it, all right? I'm all get, right. Just stop, I can't For take the pressure. Um, so 5e... Hackmaster, second edition, uh, leaves the world of Garwee's world behind <laughs> and reverts to an old setting by Jolly Blackburn called the Kingdoms of Kalamar. Um, and it's, <laughs> I think it's supposed to distance itself from the older version by doing yeah. this. And character creation works much the same as the previous edition, previous edition with a few minor um, additions. So in both games, you roll up stats as you usually would in D&D. Just roll 3d6 six times and record them on your stats. But you also roll a percentile dice for each stat to see how close you are to reaching the next level of that stat. So if you roll a 14 for strength and a 90 on the D100, it means you have to spend 10 build points to get 15 strength. Simple as that. But if you stick with your stats completely as rolled and don't re-roll any, you'll get bonus points to put towards talents, traits, and skills. But also when picking quirks and flaws, you can also roll randomly, similar to the last game, rather than choosing to get extra build points too. And you can get things such as... Quirks and flaws are pretty much the fucking same in this edition as they were in the last one. Um, So it's pretty much the same in terms of character options. However, pixies are gone, right? Oh. Which I think is a bit of a shame. Cavaliers yeah. are gone, and oh. Dark Knights can fuck right off. <clears throat> They're gone and all. <laughs> but, but I will, uh, I will tell you this, guys. Fear not. Gnome Titans are still in the game. Oh, thank goodness. Yes. It just seems Good. weird because I get the, the the want to not include pixies in their game in your game because it's not exactly cool, is it? I mean, it is a bit lame. But I like it because playing something that small, I think, can be quite funny. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that would be really, really interesting. Yeah, like using one of those. It's totally. Like, I mean, right, it, so. you get way more opportunity just to fly into a monster's mouth and start slashing him up from the inside. <laughs> yeah, totally. Exactly. Remember when um, we did the little stint in um, tunnels and trails? Exactly. Yeah. And then, like we had the shrinking ring and. A necklace and then like oh my and all God, this stuff yeah. and then we went really small into vents and all this stuff it was really that was a laugh. good use well the, the, the size kind of aspect of it did create some an interesting adventure so yeah, yeah that's right i do think it's a shame they didn't include it and i also find it fu- kind of weird that you know you've munted off there's like you've got rid of fairies and cavaliers right okay i understand it because in in a sense cavaliers are just kind of a different version of a fighter that you could just build in this game anyway but yeah. it seems weird that pixies are gone but gnome titans are still in it do you know what I mean? it's like <laughs> niche, it's a bit weird kind of niche niche classes you think you just if you're going to get rid of one get rid of all yeah well exactly but uh, yeah let's talk about combat in in many ways hackmaster 4e resembled D in terms of combat but hackmaster 5e goes in a somewhat different direction and i think you guys are really going to like this so 
combat is measured in seconds. Now stay with me. Stay with me here. <laughs> it's not as bad as it sounds. Um, they're called counts, right? And the GM counts up from one. And ah. how did I know you were going to do that? <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm disappointed. <laughs> this is the level of humour we've got to at this point. It was round like, one. Ah. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. It's Tard Vladmir. <laughs> Tard Vladmir. <laughs> From um, Morosia. Yeah, so the GM counts up, and don't do it again, or okay. I'm going to kick you so hard. <laughs> okay. Right. He counts up from one, and depending on what players rolled in initiative, they'll begin on a different count. So in this case, a lower initiative roll is better, so it means your turn happens on a lower count. Okay, oh. that's, pretty, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> so some characters who are trained with decent reflexes can act quicker using smaller dice for initiative. And one cool thing about this is that ambushes and surprises handled by simply adding a penalty onto initiative rolls. So if you're jumped by some goons in an alley, they don't just magically get to get a bunch of free shots you could still win initiative if you're fast enough yeah that's cool so all characters on mm. the playing field can move a number of squares per second so as the gm announces each count everyone moves their minis at the same time mm. and so what i love about this is that everyone is always engaging with the game no waiting for other turns Ooh, as the gm cool. counts yeah you could be moving in fainting back you know yeah. um, but baiting out attacks and whatnot and it's also up to the GM how fast he wishes to count seconds. So the thing is, let's say, for example, I go one, two, and you go, hang on, I didn't get my turn. Well, tough fucking luck. Oof. That means you were too indecisive. You get moving. Oh, yeah, okay. Brilliant. Okay. Um, yeah, and you. so it gets really, really hectic, and you can mm. count quickly maybe in a fight that, that has a more hectic basis to it mm. um, but once two characters reach each other then they can attack or obviously you can do range too but whoever has the better reach on their weapon goes first and the defender has to roll to avoid being hit if you attack somebody with a ranged weapon and they've got a melee you just go first yep. and if you have the same weapon reach you attack each other at the exact same time meaning that that's cool both of you can cut each other's heads off simultaneously I oh. fire arrows at awesome. each other for each other's ears. Well, that would be great if you both had the same re weapon reach. You both had a shot, uh, short bow, and then at the same time, it's like, like both people just like, <laughs> ow, ow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. This is this is just that small little bit about battle made me think the 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 name Hackmaster works there. Do you know what I mean? That's 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 close to chaotic violence. Do, do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Fucking fits and. Uh, I really like this. Um, and yeah, so after you swing at someone, you can then attack in a number of turns equal to the weapon's speed. So the attack's resolved, the GM starts counting again. So essentially it'd be like one, two, three, and these two have reached each other. Roll your attack, roll your defense. Right, moving on. You know that you can, in three turns, you can use your weapon again. So at this point, you're just moving backwards, maybe fainting back nice. in, trying to bait out attacks. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really, really fucking good. And during that time, you're kind of bringing your huge sword up to smack again. You can yeah, you yeah. also have a number of maneuvers in the game. It's an optional rule, and it actually says it's an optional rule, but you can choose to fight more defensively, gaining a bonus to defense, but a deficit to attacking. You can scamper back to avoid attacks of opportunity and so on. Um, that sounds like an exciting battle. I mean, just from listening to that, that would make me want to try a bit of combat in the new Hackmaster. Yeah, well, just to see what it's like. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think just as a sort of sort of semi simulation type thing, it really fucking works. And it's a si yeah, simple, simple cool. change that anyone could implement at their table and it works so fucking well. Mm. But um yeah, so one cool thing about combat is also the idea of morale and pain threshold. So if you take Ooh. more than thirty percent of your HP in one go, so players will keep track of that, you make a constitution check. 
and uh, if you fail, you immediately fall over screaming in pain. So Love what this it. means is many fights will end oh, nice. in one side battered and wailing That's on the floor. That's really good idea. Yeah, and it gives the other side the option to deliver a finishing blow or leg it before the, the guys get back up. That brings a real a, an element of realis, realism to it as well, doesn't it? Because you, absolutely, you know, a hit that's doing that much damage in a game, that's a big hit, right? That could knock yeah. your confidence flying, you know? Yeah, and, and here's the thing. What it means is that if you're fighting, say, a band of, like, brigands or outlaws or something like this and they know that they've got the upper hand because of the ambush then but they know they couldn't actually take you in a one-on-one fight they might leap out the bushes hit you with the sword and then as soon as you hit the ground rob your shit and run away and it's a lot more Mm. realistic in that sense because why would you fight to the death over a bag of gold do you know what i mean yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and it's like you know it allows you to you know raise the flag because no one hardly does that no one surrenders that's true. Any any table game, really. So it's, yeah, it's got to be a morale check, isn't it? Normally. Yeah. So um, in like old school D and D, you know, monsters have morale checks and things like this, but it's not quite the same. It's not necessarily based like on that. damage. Yeah. It's, yeah. This is this yeah, is a bit clever because that's 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 determined on what happens in the game too, right? So it's not just a straight up right. You got to do a morale check because that's a rule. It's uh, dependent on how it plays out and yes. what happens. You know, determines the, the, what how the, how they react to it. It's really good. Yeah, really, really so good. it is really fucking good, and you know that's which sort of human players or human characters will have, you know, um, like a pain threshold and things like this. But monsters, they mm. just they boil it down into one number, which is a tenacity rating. So it determines how hard <laughs> and good. how viciously they'll fight. And this yeah. is really important, right? All of this stuff because honor makes a return in this version of the game, and killing a fleeing opponent once you've already beaten them by knocking them down onto the ground is dishonorable. So the yeah. thing is, if you said, right, I've beat you, and picked the guy up and shook his hand you will not be getting my gold today then then you and then you'll get honor right which i on your way sir yeah i think it, it, it's it does force players down a certain type of character route but not necessarily as we'll get into a bit later but i i i like that a lot because it's like it also adds that element a, of there's realism. An etiquette, isn't there? yeah mm. it's cool yeah, that's that's keep, the word the realism it brings in mm. yeah it keeps it as well because i mean i know that the you know we've we've had in our games where some people have sort of some form of honor which they need to abide by and then there's certain people that have kind of gone against the grain and it's like the uh consequence of that is it's 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 not as immediate as this the consequence of this yeah. is, is quite immediate and it's easy it's more visible and easier yeah. to track yeah yeah yeah. and and you know what suddenly uh, a lot of gameplay mechanics are tied to what a decent guy you are and i i, I think yeah. it, it works really a lot but um why not that's yeah, fine. So as you said you know f- uh, killing a fleeing enemy is dishonorable um not mm-hmm. allowing an enemy to pick up their sword if it's dropped in a fight um Ooh. or killing someone in a sneaky manner is also dishonorable and yeah. the reason you want to preserve honor in this game is a little bit different because if it ever drops to zero you're changing alignment so um ah, addi- nice. in addition to that characters with low honor are generally cowardly um, ne'er-do-wells and as such are uh, worse at attack roles because they don't they don't get into the thick of the fight so yeah um, yeah and might have gained enough notoriety to be an outcast too so conversely though characters with legendary levels of honor are often subject of outlandish myths and people will probably <laughs> see you as like a powerful god which can be a pain particularly if you want to do a half-assed job one day <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but no this is this is too menial for you 
It's like it's like Arnie from bloody um, Conan comes walking in, but actually can't even win in a you know a pub bloody arm wrestling match because he's it, having an off day. Because you could you could have got to this in p- point entirely by being lucky, um, but people yeah. just think that you're you're a god, and suddenly they're getting you to do all their maths homework, and you're like, yeah. I don't, I can't. Yeah. I can't. But yeah, what's pretty funny is um, it's uh, yeah. So so honor is also used for re-rolls and to avoid crit fumbles. That's the real Ooh. exciting part of the game, I think. Right, the combat, the the honor system, all of this stuff. Because mm. the game is quick, brutal, but it encourages role playing, particularly in fights as well, which not yep. not enough people do, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think and it's done in such a way as well that it's um, it's not difficult. Like there's a lot of other systems where if you're trying to force players into role playing it's a bit more ham-fisted and a bit more you know you're sitting at the table and it's a case of the player has to remember or the gm has to remind yeah and in this Uh, case it's just it's just look generally try not to be dishonorable you know that's that's a pretty it's a pretty good way to start a character i feel because it depends on what you feel is honorable i guess to an extent anyway Um, Yes, that is true. Yeah, absolutely. But Kenza and Co. describe the game as an RPG about difficult choices. And I think that is kind of true. Um, Because combat ticks up and gets intense. It's super deadly. Um, And the book even says that one level in Hackmaster 5e is equivalent to a half a level in D&D. So if you see an opponent fumble and drop his weapon, you can move in and fuck him up. But then you'll lose honor. The people in the town saw you hit an unarmed man. And now your name is dirt. But imagine... If that was a long-time enemy, then it's the choice between people will hate me, but I really want to do this. It's almost like Jamie yeah. Lannister from Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Imagine trying to make that decision quickly while all the pieces are moving simultaneously around the board, oh, you know? Oh, man, um, yeah. And you're bound to impulsively fuck up once in a while, and that's part of the fun. Um, yeah. What's great about the honour system, too, is that it awards honour and fame based on acting your alignment, so playing your quirks and flaws as well, and doing actions in keeping with your class, specifically. Mm-hmm. So what this means is it benefits players hugely to stay consistent with their character, and character change has an actual gameplay implication. So if your honour goes down so low that you have to change alignment, well, now the way that you earn honour is different. So look at it this way. If you killed the guy who dropped his sword and everyone saw and your honour hits zero, your alignment changes to true neutral, and while the town shunned you, future acts are going to be noticed amongst thieves and outlaws. So your honour kind of attaches to certain societies. It's attracted to other people or other other groups Mm. of society. That is cool. So they see you in a different light, and they're just like, hey, you're a bit dodgy. Fancy doing me a dodgy deal? We're now, dodgy guys. We really like dodgy people. We like dodgy people. <laughs> we heard you're a guy that can get shit done. Doesn't matter about all this honor shit. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, yeah, yeah, so that is pretty much the meat of the system. But uh, I'll just go over a couple of uh, other cool parts, right? So uh, spell points. Majors use spell points instead of spell slots, like mm-hmm. in D&D, which I always thought was a bit confusing and serviceable, but not amazing. So majors mm. simply spend spell points to cast spells, but can also burn off extra points to make a spell more effective. That's Some cool. of the uh, humour from previous editions is still a tiny bit present too, which is cool. For example, Gnome Titans start with a racial ability called the Groin Stomp, and uh, <laughs> the uh, bizarre variations on the fireball are all still present. Yes, yeah, it is, although. It's not all good. There are a couple of irksome things about the game, right? Mm-hmm. The game is a little bit complicated. You see, the rules are, like all Kenza products, quite intuitively designed, but hard to learn and badly right. laid out. Um, 
It's improved with Hackmaster 5e, but not completely. Some important rules are often hidden within giant blocks of text, and not necessarily laid out in a way that would make sense to new players. Okay. Comparing it to Savage Worlds, for example, the book is like, Savage Worlds one is like how to make a guy, you know, with loads of side notes and helpful tips, and then how to roll a skill similarly laid out. And Hackmaster is more the type of book you need to read once to get get it, and then read it again <laughs> yeah. once you've got it. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. A lot like Steve yeah. Jackson books, you know, like uh, yeah. But um, I think this is just an old school way of writing. But my other problem is that, and this is the same as as Aces and Eights, which is another Kenza product. For some reason, unarmed combat is stupidly complicated. I won't go too much into it, but there's tables for different wrestling manoeuvres and different types of oh, punch. What? What, bo- <laughs> what each bonus gives to attack and how much damage they do also depend on strength. That's about it, though. I did try to look for more flaws, but speaking broadly, it's a fun, engaging, exciting game, which both benefits from and suffers from a handful of crunch issues. And yeah. it's fucking great. We said before on yeah. the show, while we, or, or I certainly do, prefer rules light, story-heavy games, sometimes I want a bit of crunch. Like, I'm really enjoying the Cyberpunk 2020 game at the moment because it's got it's just got a little bit of nice meatiness to it. And I don't think it's yeah. excessive in 5e, um, Hackmaster. It's, it, but it, it can be a slight bit burdensome. But say, unarmed combat, you could easily abstract that out and things like this, but yeah. Yeah, you don't need that in there. Yeah. Um, but before nice. we, we conclude the lot of all of this, though, uh, this history, shall we say, mm. let's talk about the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Hacklopedia of Beasts. Um, so in 1st edition, which is called 4th edition, the Dungeon Master's Guide contained a lot of tables necessary to play and all the rules, minutiae like poison, disease, shoe degradation, toilet trip, matrixes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whereas the 2nd edition we have here is exactly the same. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty much the same thing, but again, it's it's basically like a lot of, a lot of optional stuff. It's tools for the GM. It's not necessarily like the rules for the game are all in the player's handbook, but the uh, additional rules are in the dungeon master's guide. Pretty much, it's so. good, okay. It's good to look at it like tools for the GM, though, because then it, it yeah it does become that toolkit. It yeah, you understand it's not that, necessary. Yeah, uh, and that's I don't know if that was their intent, but it's definitely a good. Um, yeah, way to look at it. Damn, yeah, damn straight. I, uh, I think uh, I think it's a it's a good book as well. It's got a lot of useful stuff in there. But uh, let's have a look at the Hacklopedia of Beasts though, and see if it's got their sort of slight wackiness that the original did. Um, the thing is, as well, it's all contained within one book this time, rather than several volumes of monster books. Now, yeah, that's good. Okay, I'm looking at this centipede, centaur, bugbear. There's one called a brownie, which I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a shit. No, I mean pretty or much. Cake. It, pretty much, it's 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 just standard fantasy fare with a couple of extra ones in there. You've got lions, you've got leprechauns, leechman. All oh, right. You have a leechman. Leech yeah, leechman. Hey, my name's Leechman. Um, <laughs> Doctor Leechman. Let me just. Uh, it's this really weird thing though that that they've done with the new one, right? And this is what this is why I found Jolly Blackburn's screenshots of his Roll Twenty game. So weird to comprehend, right? There's this thing, right? So I'm looking at the entry for an imp, right? And mm. all the stats are laid out on something called the combat rose. Oh, boy. As in like a flower. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, oh. all, all, and this could easily oh, be boy. a list, right? So it's a, a easily readable block for character stats. Why you would draw it out in this way, I don't know. So it's got its speed, its initiative, um, its reach, attack, armor, and defense, right? That's all it is. That's all you need to to run the monster. 
just have it in a list. For some reason, it's in a <laughs> diamond shape, and on the outside of the diamond, you, and on the inside of the diamond, you've got different stats. It's, yeah, I'm looking at it now. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? A bit fucking just, weird. I mean, <clears throat> but then, like you said, if if you're a, if you're a, if you're a crunch fiend, then, then you'll enjoy it. But I don't think the, the combat rose isn't actually complicated but it's just laid out in a weird way that makes it seem more complicated than it is yeah. it's, it, it, when I first looked at it I thought oh my god I'm going to learn this special way they've written out monsters and it's like no they've just for some reason done it in a way that's going to cost them a lot of fucking time for no fucking reason <laughs> do you think they were just trying to make it look different and pretty just so it was like you know oh here's a selling point of it they got a combat rose I guess so but yeah. even the name makes me cringe a little bit yeah I don't like the name <laughs> Why not the the violence diamond? Yeah, the combat rose should be in the bestiary, and it should be a flower that's like covered in daggers and stuff. With a gun, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, smoking a cigarette, gun flower. <laughs> yeah. Combat rose. You came in in a wrong patch. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah, the monster manual is isn't isn't like quite as wacky but it's got everything in there it's got great um, write-ups on all the monsters and simple stat blocks that you can copy down into your plans but let's well, before we conclude our feelings on the series as a whole let's talk about presentation here because i sent you guys um some photos of the books that cj sent in to us and i also sent you some photos of the old ones and the insides of both uh we'll start with nico give me your thoughts on the presentation of it overall nice it's nice it's, it's, it's like you said it, the art's really good i mean i love that kind of colorless black uh, ink art that's notorious with uh you know that kind of um, old book. school it's, type it's, yeah old school kind of thing but no it's it's good it's, it's i like i think i i think it looks like a good product um the books look well well put together from what i can see from the pictures that you sent over and um i was going to say to you as well what's the quality like paper and stuff is that it's pretty fucking good it's like that like proper high quality glossy type finish yeah full color um and of course they've the books are made from that usual cardboard type thing but they've been like uh what do you call like not embossed so that they feel like leather and then they've got these little windows so the Hacklepedia of Beasts has like a big eye looking through a window. Uh, the player's handbook has got some sort of battle going on in the window. So it looks like a really classy leather book, but it's not leather. But yeah, very, Mate, very really nice. Cool. I like, I like, yeah, I like the way the pages are done. And the um, I, I, I love that they've added some comic strips from the uh, from the original. Well, the, I, uh, I, I like, the... I both like and dislike that because what I find it the artwork in the new editions is really really nice like the quality of it is ridiculous i don't know how they afforded mm. it but uh, but then <laughs> yeah. you've got some of jolly blackburn's drawings in the same thing and it's like it's cool to have a comic to demonstrate the game tunnels and trolls did it and i really like that as does wise guys a little bit so but it's like it's like get get the guys who did the interior art to do the comic please oh can you imagine yeah that would have been nice would have been they're trying to play pay homage to it, I guess. Yeah, that's true. But you're right. That's the true. actual yeah, the level of the actual art art is like proper proper stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and they've reused some of the ones from previous editions, like some of the best ones. Like specifically, there's yeah. the picture of Todd Vladmir is in there. What about the Moody Wizard as well? Yeah, the Moody. Yeah, I mean wizard that's looks... got to be the best piece of artwork. The Game Master's guy's got a wizard on the front. Lovely picture, beautifully rendered. But the uh, he looks like he's having just a fucking shit day. I've never seen a more angry looking bloke. <laughs> 
Maybe he's <laughs> he really just like, did not want to be asked to come on a quest that day, did he? Maybe he's like he, he's like seven years ago. I just had spell slots. Now I have to deal with spell points. <laughs> what was wrong with the old way? <laughs> I had to learn a seventeen different ways of casting my fireball. What the fuck? I could track bowel movements on one page. <laughs> oh god. Well, anyway, here's here's my thoughts as a conclusion on the whole thing. I think the first edition books are really, really cracking for a good read. To, and specifically, if you can ta- get any of the Hacklopedia of Beasts, um, really worth a pun because they're just cracking good monsters to use in your games. Yeah. And uh, it's a good read, um, but mostly unplayable. The um, new editions, however, I actually was genuinely surprised because I really thought my, my opinion was going to go in the complete other direction and I was going to be like, nah, the old one's really fucking cool, but... Actually, the the new one's much more playable. It's much more serious, but that doesn't mean you can't insert your own comedy into it. Exactly. Because of the way yep. combat works in the game, I think it would be really interesting as just a pure human, no monsters campaign as well. Because of like yeah, the yeah. round, the yeah. way sword fighting works. I, I don't know. It just yeah, I, you could do it as a proper, you know, as just a, use it as a battle system. Yeah. Or yeah, like a skirmish game. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, that would yeah. be cool. James, how about you? Where are you leaning? Um, I obviously prefer. Um, fifth edition Hackmaster, um, particularly and specifically for exactly the battle sequence and everything mm. encompassing there. I really want to try it out. I want when we can get back into the meat space and sit in front of each other and touch each other's dice and get pissed off <laughs> each other for it. I'm glad you said um, dice. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call them. Um, yeah. Well, as, as soon as we could do that, I would love to. Do a skirmish using this. It would be fun for a, a uh, uh, yeah, just to try it out and see how it actually goes mm. at the table. In theory, it yeah. sounds fucking great. And I, w- I was looking at like you know a lot of people trying it out on YouTube and stuff, and it looked like a lot of fucking fun. And people seem to be really enjoying it. And players are constantly engaged as well because not only are you making defense rolls, you're also you're also looking at the fucking battlefield. And if you miss a count and f- fail to do anything, then well, then suck it up. You know, I, yeah, I like see it. A lot. But how about you, Nick? I'm, I'm assuming your thoughts are in a similar vein. Right, so yeah, this is my kind of outlook on it, I guess. So the original Hackmaster 4th edition, uh, from from going through this, would say essentially was a joke. It was a, it was a joke at D&D. It was, uh, it was a piece of history in the, mm. in the whole hobby uh, and was much loved by everyone. I think it was, a, it was, a jo- it was an in-joke that everybody enjoyed. Yeah. Now... The more I look at it, the more I wonder whether the the writing team tried to make a playable game or tried to make a game that was pretty much unplayable unless you were a hardcore crunch monster. Yeah. Um, but never really thought many people would get past that part of it and actually play it. I think they would more, you know, you read the book, you enjoy the piss take of D and D. It's tongue in cheek. It's it's parody. Put it back and- on the shelf. Put it back on the shelf and you keep that little bit of history. That's yeah, or where maybe yeah. you just take the couple of things you like from it and put it into your D yes, game. Precisely. And you and you borrow bits, but for the most part it's it like you said, it's table city, it's it, it's a hard game, and unless you're into that kind of stuff, is it gonna be played? I'm not sure. Then maybe the love and the respect for this obviously stayed around for a long time because, you know, to reboot it years down the line and actually have a good stab at making a game I think yeah. has really come through. So like you said, they've they've kept the field somewhat but they've actually rather than you know sat there and gone let's reprint a piss take because it's not really relevant anymore let's actually make a game out of this that it's playable and also give it a an angle that's probably quite different to other games i.e the combat and the combat and the honor does sound really fun 
Yeah, I think it's got enough of an edge for it to differentiate itself, and it also yeah. celebrates what made the original special, but and actually what, makes and it why usable. It's here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And obviously, Nick, you're, you, these are going to be yours, so uh, it'll be you, really mate. cool for absolutely incredible to run a session. I think as well, like the as a person that doesn't generally run fantasy games, I think this will be a good one for you because it's mm. it's got a lot more meat to the story and things and to, the, to the combat. I will yep. say that I, I do, uh, for as much as I talk shit about them, I did like the uh, the original modules they made, taking the piss out of the D&D ones, for the simple fact that, similarly to the base game of the original one, where you, it's mostly just, if you see an idea you like, put it into your D&D game. Um, yeah. It's kind of the same with the adventures. They often do have little ideas in there that if you're running one adventure, then have a read of the Hackmaster version. For example... Um, I, I've been writing up a Keep on the Borderlands campaign for use in the future. Um, nice. Uh, and, and the thing about it is, is that I read the Hackmaster version, Little Keep on the Borderlands, and what I yeah. what I liked about it was that they kind of went for all, a, a near near comedy to when it came to like the menus in the pubs. So Ooh. I will use those menus instead. And also, there's like a notice board oh, in nice. town where you can go and get quests from and things like this. So it's like oh, okay. little, yeah. little ideas like that where I'm just like, okay, is worth reading the other one. Um, yeah. Just to get the ideas. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely five uh, E is obviously way fucking better. But yeah. Um, it's, a little, it's a different take on the same subject, which might give you little extra bits that you might not have thought of before. Quite, yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, CJ Stott, for sending that in. Super fucking oh, yeah. interesting yeah. thing. Thank you so much. And, thank uh, you so much. That is the complete history of Hackmaster. That's where we stand today, and perhaps we'll get a uh, sixth edition at some point where, I don't know, you. Uh, uh, no, I can't think of anything funny to say. It's so, a film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there we go. The sixth edition is now beamed directly into your brain. Because it's the yeah. future. Speaking of the Hello. future, let's do some electro letters. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the electro letter. Hello and welcome to Electro Letters, where we read your mails out. Um, so <laughs> that was actually the second try, ladies and gentlemen. So um, thank first God you didn't hear the first. <laughs> Ian Tootweiler, he says, if it was covered in a previous ep, ignore this. But if the three T's were to write a Powered by the Apocalypse game, what niche would each of your games cover, and what would an example playbook be? So. This is a tough question if you've never played or if you, like me, have only played one text-based game that lasted a day and a uh, one session of Monster of the Week. It's difficult to answer, but... So, I guess just pick a genre and the playbooks, they're kind of like... They're, they're your character, right? So, instead of having a character sheet, you have a playbook and as you level up, you tick off certain options. It's kind of cool, actually. You print off the little books separately... But I guess it's just, yeah, if you want to make a story-focused RPG, what would it be? What character archetypes would be in there? I've had a, I've, I've had an idea in the back of my mind for a while that Nick and I started a little bit of work on, but then changed yeah. a little bit, of um, a Sin City urban fantasy-style game, like dark as fuck, um, almost a bit like Shadowrun, but without it being set in the future. It's like a modern-day, yep. gritty mm-hmm. city fantasy game, and I, I think that would be really fun. Um, and the archetypes, you know, you could have things like, speaking of Hackmaster, you could just have the grunge elf in there, you know what I mean? Like, things like this. So I think I'd have, like, <laughs> grimy yeah, totally. versions of the of the ones that we know, like, you know, 
orc bartender or something like this, you know. <laughs> How about you, Nick? That's awesome. Uh, it's a it's a toss up, really. I, I I'd like to do something. I've always wanted to do a wrestling RPG, you know, like proper like wrestling mm. entertainment RPG. That would be fun. And then obviously the monster of the week would maybe be some sort of. Um, different you know different wrestling character well, then, it's, it's also... funny that you say that nick sorry to interrupt but um i've been i, I listened to murder hobo show great fucking podcast but uh, yeah. uncle jay who's one of the presenters he's mm-hmm. a, a really big wrestling fan and he's been playing a powered by the apocalypse wrestling game so it already exists oh, wow. it's called oh, worldwide well, there wrestling and as far as i know you do things like you cut promos, you do matches. Yeah, I think I, I think I remember something about this. Yeah, so how, so that'd be awesome. Or my other one would be um, an SCP one. Oh, and that would be cool, man. And you know what? It yeah. would fit this as well because it's it's yeah. really well made for investigative play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that that would be great, man. And uh, for for those that don't know, SCP is like a um, a weird. Uh, what is it? It's like a creepy pastor it's like, about. It's like, it's like yeah, it's like a it's like a fictional organization that contains basically any kind of weird creature or or monster that's been written about in a creepy pasta. Yeah, SCP is secure, contain, protect. That's it. Um, yeah. uh, the most famous example is that weird peanut monster thing that that if you turn around or you blink for any second, it will just it'll reach you in like Mach four speed and oh, break your it's neck. Horrible. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. It is. Yeah, and then right. so you'd work for them, and then obviously if one gets loose, your job is to go out and get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that would be fun. That would be great. Yeah, that would to be, be perfectly honest. Uh, I, I would play the shit out of that. It's like yeah. covert Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's like Ghostbusters, but really, really, actually horrific. Yeah. <laughs> Ian also has an alternative question. He says, "Have you, any of you run an RPG session for loved ones or friends who had never played an RPG? And if so, can you describe how it affected your relationship with them now?" Uh, mm-hmm. Nick, you ran a um, you ran a, a session of Fiasco for my wife who'd never played an RPG or never really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I did that. I played. Uh, I, um, I also run. F- uh, forget about it on holiday for my family uh, and they really enjoyed it that's right yeah I remember that yeah um, in uh, Canaries yeah I mean uh, the thing is uh, I've done it I've, I've played RPGs with a lot of people that don't play and it, I've got to be honest it's never like fully fully fucking converted them although it has for like a couple um, with the Cyberpunk 2020 campaign the de- how it's affected my relationship with those RPG players that didn't previously play it is they never stopped texting me about things they want to do next session so there's that um, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's absolutely fine it's good I like it that people are enthused but um, yeah totally. I don't know more often when I play to people that aren't that into it I'll try to do something specific that they like and the very last time I ran for my wife I ran the Blackwood which I discovered by playing that time that it isn't very good um, and <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she it was fun, but I don't know necessarily if it was her cup of tea, but she really enjoyed Fiasco, and Fiasco's a fucking good one for anybody that's yeah. a non-RPG yeah. player, because it's just sitting down, coming up with a story, really. Together, yeah, so exactly. Yeah, it is a, that's a very good like gateway game, if you like. I, I, I really, really, at one point, want to run an RPG session with my mum, because I just yeah. think that would be adorable, and maybe we could yeah. put it out on this show. And uh, It'd be the best. It's pretty great. It's, uh, I that would be, think it's a great I think idea. She'd love it, to be honest. I do as well. Yeah, me too. We could call we could call it like do it as a, a special stream and call it Mumgeons and Dragons, and we can get all, <laughs> and we could get all of our mums to be on it. James, sorry, 
What? But we, you, uh, no, it's just saying <laughs> we could combine all of our mums onto. Obviously, James, unfortunately, yours is no longer with us, but we could just get another mum, somebody's. There you go. A- anybody's. Yeah, I'll right, just find mom. a mum on the street. <laughs> Excuse me, are you a mum? No? Fuck yes. off then. Come here. <laughs> get out of here. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> get stick out, man out of the window. Shout, Mum! The first one <laughs> yeah, who answers. Who answers. You're like, yes, dear. <laughs> Come with me. We're playing some mumgeons and dragons. Okay. <laughs> I, reckon that, I reckon as a stream that would probably actually do quite well. I do as well. It would. <laughs> also goes in prison. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. We're not kidnapping anyone, James. Sorry. We'll put them back after. Oh, sorry. I, I, just because the mumgeons. Put them back where we found them. All right. Back um, in the dungeon. C- Grant, will you keep it down? All right. It's not a game. Um, right. CJ Stott, uh, he comes in. He says, what rule or system mechanic do you find yourself porting over to other games the most? Have you ever run a module slash scenario slash adventure in multiple rule sets over the years? Which ones just did not work out the way you expected? Um. Yeah, so I, I would say the the uh, system mechanic I port over to games the most has got to be Benny's. I mean, yep. Benny's. The, yeah, that was what I was going to say as well. Yeah, because these are reroll tokens from Savage Worlds, and I find it's a, just a really quick, instant way to um, give players something for decent role play. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, easy reward. Yeah, um, but it's, it's a good payoff as well, so, especially if you can use them in different ways. Yeah, and in you know D and D five e that has inspiration, which is a similar thing. But you know, I sort of house all that you can get multiple inspirations, probably up to about yeah. four or five. You didn't go, don't yeah. go mental. Um, but that's the one I I would say I port over the most. Also, anything with a simple death mechanic. Um, very yes. last <laughs> one I I always use is uh, um cards for initiative because yeah, uh, i don't yeah. necessarily use it in every game but currently while playing online you know when you do that thing like in D when a combat starts and you have to take down everyone's initiative write them in order it's so it's hellish to do online so you uh, it's a good alternative um way of dealing out initiative so just yeah, quickly yeah. It, 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 mm-hmm. some rules then don't get used but it's fine it's fine yeah it's yeah. all right yeah, um, I'd say as well, you know, ICRPG has a lot of stuff in there that's pretty useful to be ported to other games, like the turn order for initiative, which is also handy um, online, where you just, the whole game, you just keep going around the table, um, mostly, um, which is pretty good. And dramatic tasks from Savage Worlds. Can't get yes. us. Oh, yeah, interludes they... as well. Oh, and interludes, yeah. yeah. Savage Worlds has uh, really given a lot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because it's such a well-designed game, and it, it, with um, dramatic tasks, it's like an extended skill challenge. And D and D has its own equivalent, but I tend to do it similarly yeah. to how I do in Savage, because it's just such a elegant they way of good. doing it. It's just yeah, it is. get five successes before before um, the five rounds are up. And it, it gives you a good yeah. choice, particularly how you use it is good because you know you have an option. You look at the time and think, right, I've got this amount of session left, so we're going to play it through properly properly or you'd be like oh this is quite insignificant or fuck it there's not enough time we're going to change it into a dramatic task so it still gives the players what you know what we want uh, but you can condense the excitement can't you yeah yeah i mean and then it's, we, it was like the game the other day you know we had half an hour before the game ended and yeah. i kind of wanted to conclude the adventure with you guys stealing back the fake gucci so i was just like you know what? We don't have time to do a full encounter. Let's run a dramatic task as a quick encounter, a quick heist. In exactly, this case. and it was awesome. Yeah, mm. it's a well. very good tool, definitely. 
Um, yeah, he also says he also asked, "Have you ever run a module scenario adventure in multiple rule sets over the years? Which ones just did not work out the way you expected?" Uh, you did. No, I'm still new, so I just play new stuff. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I've done the Tough Guys one uh, that's in the back of the Tough Guys book. I did it in Old School Essentials, um, just essentially set it in a fantasy world, but the storyline was slightly different. Instead of drugs but that were being taken from your gang it was uh illegal potions because we had a 12 year old playing with us um, <laughs> yeah oh no. that said actually there was a uh there was one uh, an adventure i i ported from Dungeons and dragons fourth e called dusk and i've played it oh, in both yeah. systems it's yeah. um basically a humorous retelling of twilight in a fantasy twilight, world yeah. um where the vamp some of the vampires in the stage production of this teen drama are real vampires and uh <laughs> yeah i've run that in fourth edition and in savage worlds and it worked way mm-hmm. better in savage worlds because i had the <laughs> benefit of like five years more experience when i rewrote it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it was good it was great a adventure great laugh yeah yeah Yorkus Rex, he says, why is it that when I listen to podcasts intent on learning tips and tricks to add to my GM arsenal and then attempt to emulate amazing actual plays such as the ones on 3T RPG, folds tenor, stuffs in shirt pocket, winks, it turns out <laughs> like an improv session with chimpanzees. Untalented shit. Untalented chimpanzees. Unfit for even a discount carnival work levels of talent. It can't be me. It's my players, right? Tell me I'm pretty. You're pretty. <laughs> You're pretty. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like lies. And I don't know. <laughs> well, I've had this problem as well. And I think that was part of what my Lamentations campaign, although it was fun just to play, you know, um, a game is always better than no game. Um, I felt like part of the reason it sort of broke down so quickly is because I'd seen several, um, been watching lots of tutorials, listening to loads of podcasts, and sort of got an idea of this type of game that I wanted to run, forgetting that the players, more than you, direct the type of game you're going to run. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it's happened to me before where I've put, I've noted that something down from a video and been like, that is a fucking cool technique and then gone to do it and it just doesn't work out. And it's because <laughs> the people that are giving those tips, they're giving tips often for the players they most play with. Yeah. Which yeah. um, yeah. if they you, behave. <laughs> I will say this. If you know GMs, for example, that have experience running conventions, going to a lot of conventions and writing products, they're likely to be give more universal advice because they're used to doing things for a more universal audience yeah totally. um so i i don't know like yeah it can happen like rpg pundit for example i really really like his products but i think most of his advice that he does on his youtube channel is quite bad like it's <laughs> it's kind of stupid he's like if two people don't show up for a game don't play or guilt everyone to turning up more and i'm like no i'm all right mate i still want to play <laughs> yeah, the fucking game stupid yeah come on mate but yeah, I, I I don't know, man. It just because it, it really depends on your table. If people if people aren't picking up what you're putting down, just just say it's a fucking rule. You're the GM, you know. Like for example, Solomon Kane. Obviously, funny shit happened in that campaign. But at the beginning of the game, I said, right, nobody is to play a joke character, and you're not yeah. to try to intentionally be funny. Funny situations are going to happen. It's a role playing game, but just take yeah. it seriously. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. And lo and behold, funny shit happened without us having to try. For example, yeah, exactly. Ryan's character was so f- such a famous cannibal that at the utterance of his name, somebody had to roll fear and died of a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Instantly. 
So, you know, <laughs> oh, I, I, if you just say, sit down with your players and just say, let's say, for example, you're using a new radical rule and you're separating downtime and uptime, right? And you just sit down mm-hmm. and go, look, this game has got kind of two phases. Um, while you're resting, you can still do stuff around the town. You, could, you just tell them. Just tell them, and this is how it's going to work. I know you're usually like this, but this time just try this, you know, something like that, and hopefully they'll play ball. Nice. Yeah. But not, not always. Not always. No. We've got one last one in from Owen Lean, and he says, at what point is it best to just give up and become a Scientologist? Uh, never. Well, I, I was thinking about this question last night as I printed off this document, and I don't know if this thought has ever crossed any of your minds, and this is probably a bit stupid. In fact, I'm fairly certain it's stupid. Um, I've often thought, you know, like, I've watched lots of documentaries on cults, right? And... I was thinking, like, can it be that bad? Because I watched this one on this guy who led this Christian cult out in the middle of, like, uh, America, right? And they all had lovely houses. And, (laughs) and, like, they all had a a shared farm, a food pool, right? Okay, they had to give 90% of their earnings to the guy that ran it. And he did have permission to sleep with all their wives. But I'm wondering if that would be worth it. Take that guff away. (laughs) Right, and um, you've got utopian just, society. Just change that one rule, and I'd be happy to pretend to like Jesus for a nice house and doing a bit of farm work. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, is it that yeah, bad? Yeah. Okay, you cut off ties with all your friends and family, but what if they're not that but good I, anyway? Food bowl, <laughs> nice house. Yes, nice please. house. Go to church once food. a week. Hear some insane guy rambling about Star Trek and Jesus and how he's the second coming. <laughs> I'll take my big house. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, Scientology. Scientology isn't one of those ones. I'm fairly certain of that. I've I've watched a lot. It's one of my my obsessive subjects is Scientology, and I'm fairly certain they're not one of the good ones. No, no. there's no no such thing as a good cult. Don't listen to me. But the point is, <laughs> is that Scientology. It's not the sort of one where you just exchange a few nights of passion with your wife for a lovely big house. <laughs> come yeah. on, like constantly. Well, come on, mate. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to be constant, right? She's a classy lady. Yeah. I remember, um, uh, well, no, I was going to go on for a big rant there, but we've got already up to two hours. So should we? Uh, oh shit. <laughs> so Scientology, yes or no? That's been the real message no. of this podcast. Okay. Nah. Maybe marbles. Marbles, <laughs> mate. We're marbles. 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 based on marbles. Based yes. on marbles. All right, let's do an outro. <laughs> oh fuck. Savage. Well, 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 well. Here well, we well. are again in the outro, and you freeloading scumbags still haven't bought our products on Drive Through RPG. And what we've given you 77 episodes. We've been good to you, haven't we? Haven't we just? Uh, go to the Patreon, go to Drive Through RPG, 3T RPG Fund. Redeem yourself. Start buying stuff because yeah. we will stop making these. Redeem yourself and join the cult, right? And also send your... Because what we do, especially with the products, we'll start making them again and then we'll stop. <laughs> yeah, we that's, said, we that's said just style. now there's not... We said just now there's not a good cult, but when it's our cult, it's the, the best the, the, one. The, the, the Dark Army is not a cult. It's an army. We're very clear an about army. that. And it's for tax purposes that we call it an army. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, anyway, if you want to contact us, 3trpgpod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. If you want to submit questions for the show, just go to the Facebook. That's mostly where we're most active because we're too old and don't really get Twitter. Mm-mm. Uh, that's it. I've been Harrison Hunt. I've been Nick Lambslice. And I've been Jimmy Clark. 
And remember that D20s are cool for 20Ds. Now that's a good time. It's a piece of cake, it's a pretty cake. It's the way it's hazy. You gotta do the cooking by the book. You know you can't be lazy. Never use a method recipe. But a cake will end up crazy. If you do the cooking by the book, then you'll have a... Break it down, bitch. Let me see you back it up. Drop that ass down, load it, pick that motherfucker up. Break it down, bitch. Let me see you back it up. Drop that ass down, load it, pick that motherfucker up. Yeah, I'm back that pussy, she's a motherfucker. Hey, back.